All right, looks like looks like we're good. And welcome everybody to a very special Workflow Wednesday. This one's a little different. Um, we're actually going to be talking with Matt Bach here. Uh, he's our industry expert for the week um, to kind of get a look more into how we do things, our workflow, uh, or at least in labs. Um, and yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, this was actually kind of exciting because I'm really curious about this too. Uh, so this will be really fun. So just in case, as always, if you anybody doesn't already know, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do, Matt. Oh, weird. I, I haven't been on this end. I've been on a lot of these streams as like a interviewer, but not as the actual person who's on here. Um, so my name is Matt Black. Uh, I've been with Puget for a long time. I think it's like 18 years or something. So I, I started at Puget when I was still in high school. Um, and I've gone through a plethora of things, pretty much anything that is not directly customer facing, I've done. So production, repair, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, oh, I don't know how many years ago we started the labs. It might be like eight or nine or even 10 years ago, we started up the labs department. Mm -hmm. um, and for the longest time, that was just me. So I, I pretty much <laughs> built out what, what labs is. And it's grown and changed. Um, it started off being like hardware reviews, things like Tom's Hardware right. and Nantech, those kind of guys. Mm -hmm. And then we just discovered that we were just doing what they are already doing, only worse, because they Oof. do a really good job with that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, so then we pivoted at the same time when we started moving into workstations as a workstation company, or as a computer company, I should say. Uh, we pivoted towards testing things that those hardware reviews didn't. So um, at the time, one of the big things we started off with was the Adobe uh, suite, so Photoshop, Premiere Pro. Um, those are still some of our biggest staples, but it's just expanded beyond that to now um, we, we do a lot of hardware testing, a lot of benchmarking, a lot of having to de develop benchmarks because there are yeah. benchmarks for these applications. Like they're not made to be benchmarked. So we have to figure out how to do it. Yeah. Um, and that part's difficult. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure we'll get into that more. Um, so now the labs department, um, we're looking at content creation stuff, engineering, uh, game development is a big one that we're just really starting to get into. We just got Kelly on on team because man, game development is crazy. Like it's not just for games; it's for VR stuff, which could be anything, architecture, right. training, medical. Um, it's also used in like film and animation, and it, it's just a crazy, crazy wide industry. Um, and so yeah, so we've been expanding out to all that stuff. We've got some scientific HVC stuff, um, and yeah, it's great. It's it's. It's really interesting. It's really frustrating <laughs> sometimes. Um, sure, sure. But it's also cool because we've been working a lot on making all of the testing we're doing available to the public. Um, right. Not just like the results or our hardware articles, but um, like the actual marks themselves. Right. So that's a pretty big deal too, I think. Yeah, that's actually, I'm, which that's pretty cool actually. I think, um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's, it's really nice that we just kind of let that stuff kind of go out there for free even like you can run the same like the exact same tool that you guys use to produce the articles i i can download and just use that at home yeah. um and i think it takes I think, a lot of work <laughs> yeah actually and that's actually a, that kind of leads us to a really good uh really good uh question is for at least for me um first how do you decide what to test like how like where does that come from you mean like what software or like what within that software to test? Um, I suppose both. We'll, we'll start with what software and then from sure. there, yeah, what within that? Yeah, well, the software, that's kind of determined a lot by our workstation side. Um, so it's mm -hmm. whatever we have high interest in. Um, so like we, we sell a lot of systems for Premiere Pro, so we're going to test right. it. We don't okay. sell very many systems for uh, Vegas, which is another uh, video editor. So it's not really worth our time because right now um, our labs department is essentially funded by our workstation sales. Sure. Um, so we need to be able to be bringing in enough people and um, like converting enough sales. So like have, adding enough value to the workstation sale for them mm -hmm. to go with us instead of Dell or whatever. And, and there's the whole like support mm -hmm. and pre-sale side of things too in the production sure. side, but um, our, our own little slice of the pie, we have <laughs> to be able to justify essentially. Okay. Um, so that's a big part. Um, there's also another part of how difficult is it? <laughs> oh, sure. Um, 
because there, there's a few applications out there, like a lot of the rendering, uh, so Octane Render, V-Ray, Cinebench, uh, there's already benchmarks for. So sure. us testing it and doing like articles uh, is very low effort because we just take their thing, we add some automation on top of it to make it easier for us, and we're done. So those ones, super simple. So even if we don't sell a whole lot of systems for it, we can do it because the return on investment, like they're so low investment, we don't have to have a whole lot of return. Sure. Um, so it's it's mostly that. There, there's a few that we like look ahead towards, um, like DaVinci Resolve, we started testing a number of years back and we don't we didn't sell very many systems for it, but we saw that it was an up and coming thing. So we yeah. wanted to get ahead of the curve kind of a thing. Um, Smart. And there's others that are kind of the opposite. Um, like uh, we really want to do stuff with Avid, Avid Media Composer. It's a video okay. editor. And um, it's really, really hard to test. <laughs> so, huh. so we haven't yet. Um, okay. It's one of the things that like we'd like to, but it, it's just so difficult to do that it, it's just been slipped under because like, well, we, the time we could spend on that, or we can test the entire Adobe suite. Like, oh, sure. We're going to do wow. that. It's that um, tough. So that's kind of determines what we're going to test um, okay. within the applications that gets harder. Um, it's harder than I think people might think because we're actually mm -hmm. having to satisfy mm -hmm. multiple audiences. There's right. the, the people who use the software professionally, they care about certain things. Um, they care sure. about like what they do every day. Um, and some of it is very unexciting. It's like, uh, and, and it's some things that we don't even test still that we probably should. Things like um, how snappy is the program? But like, sure. How do you test snappiness? Yeah, that's, that's a that's really, kind of really objective, difficult, right? That's because uh, like I know we've got we've gotten comments like for Photoshop, like testing oh the the brush, like moving this brush in a certain way, like sometimes it's jumpy or like how can I get this to or scrub it? I suppose scrubbing might be, but that's somewhat yeah. still of a, of a objective. You got to see it to make it well, feel I mean, you, you, right. You could, um, and actually we have a project on right now where we're, we're testing some scrubbing stuff and the way we did it though is we just went totally like we're not going to worry about numbers we're not going to try to report fps or anything we just recorded a video and here we have a mouse and like we automated the mouse moving across like the mm -hmm. timeline but other than that we just here's two videos side by side because huh. like if you actually want to tell how many frames per second it is um if you want to do it on the fly you can but you're going to have to be watching every single frame um, so, you know, if you have a 60 hertz monitor, that's 60 times a second, you're going to have to be checking and doing like pixel checksums to see if things move. Oh, and that's wow. going to make your system, <laughs> it, it's going to put enough load on your system that it's going to warp the results. Right. Um, or Ooh. you take it in afterwards and process it afterwards and like count the frames as they change. And that's just super labor intensive. Sure. You kind of did that in the, um, actually, wait, can I talk about that? The G... <laughs> The, the GPU decoding? Uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, we have a project going on for uh, the <laughs> GPU decoding, um, and we're waiting until that software, it, it's in beta right now. We're waiting for it to come out of beta before we oh. like, launch a bunch of stuff. Okay. Well, I do remember seeing that uh, as an example, kind of a side-by-side. -side. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. That's cool. <laughs> like, and that, that works uh -oh. fine. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> that works fine if it's like a major difference, which this one adding GPU decoding is a major difference. Like you can see it, but if it's yeah. um, a small difference, like if we want to do that exact same test and compare like two different GPUs, mm -hmm. one might be better than another, but oh man, it's going to be, you can't tell by your human eye, like sure. whether it's going to be better or not. Okay. Um, so that's where you have to get into like these really small numbers. Um, and that's kind of where uh, we get into the the second target audience of ours uh not the end users but like the tech enthusiasts the people who are sure. trying to decide like what cpu should i buy for my home computer and like i do a little bit of editing i do a little bit of gaming maybe i do some streaming um or just the people who are just like i want intel to win or no i want amd to win you know <laughs> those people too um yeah. and so yeah it's, it's a weird thing in our benchmarks because we have to satisfy both audiences uh because <laughs> I mean, it's just two different types of readers who, who are coming to us looking for this this information. So there are some things we test that like the end users don't really care about all that much. Um, and then there's other things we test where 
the people who are more techie and not, not end users don't care about. Um, mm-hmm. Good example of that is we do uh, recently the, the GPUs that launched from NVIDIA, the 3000 series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did uh, testing in Lightroom and Photoshop for GPU performance, and it's the most boring results ever. It's just a straight line. <laughs> Every right. GPU is the same. These huh. software have has GPU acceleration, but like having a GPU is the only thing you really need. The GPU is no different. And like wow. to someone who wants to talk about how much better NVIDIA is than AMD or vice versa, mm-hmm. that's not really useful because like oh. yeah, they're the same. Great, whatever. But to an end user, that's super useful because then like okay, I don't need an RTX 3090. I can get a 2060. Sure. Okay. And they can save a whole bunch of money. So yeah, it is kind of. Yeah, odd having to satisfy both of those of those uh, readers. Um, plus, it's even a little bit more now because, like we were talking about before, having our benchmarks available to the public. Mm-hmm. Part of that is um, we're trying to get hardware reviewers to start using them as well. So again, think like an Antec, Tom's Hardware. I think Tom's Hardware they have a few of their sites that are using some of our stuff now, and like yeah. YouTubers. That's super um, cool. Because that's yeah, that's kind of like us doing our part of in the community. Um, but it's also, like, we, we can't test everything. Um, you know, laptops, we don't test laptops, but laptops are a big thing. So if we right. can help reviewers who test laptops, that helps everybody. Yeah. Um, but the hardware reviewers have very, even more different needs. Um, like they need it to be um, static of a benchmark so it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So we can't like, oh, Adobe added this new feature. Let's just toss it into the benchmark. They're, they would hate us for that because oh. now all their scores are different. And they, well, most of them don't retest their testing or redo their testing every time there's a new product launch. Sure, like sure. we do, but we're really weird. And that's because we <laughs> update like all of our app versions, Windows. We try to make all of our stuff as up-to-date as possible, but that means that right. like, if it's been more than a month since we did some testing, we have to redo everything. And, and you know, most of those reviewers, they don't, they'll use results that are years old and they just don't change their version of Windows. They don't change wow. the app versions because all they care about is hardware. They don't care about like the software or like the real world performance. They just mm. care about like hardware versus hardware. Uh, so like what? if benchmark changes, yeah. they have to redo everything and they're not set up for that. That seems a little strange because like there've been times where something as simple as like a BIOS update or, or just a version change to the software can mm-hmm. actually make a significant difference in the hardware performance. So, yeah, yeah, huh. and, but I mean, it, this kind of comes about to I. I think they they have to look at ROI too, like how much effort versus how much return they get, and I think a lot of those things. Like I have no official information from any of these right. guys, but I, I, <laughs> I would assume since they're making all their money by ads, like they've got to have so much traffic, they have to spend so like minimal effort. Um, to you know, get things live that right. you know, and they don't have like the kind of setups that we have. Like, we're also unique in that we have um, like hardware available. Yeah, like right. hey, we, we don't stock, or we don't have this piece of hardware up here to do this test. But hey, it's an inventory. We'll go grab it. We'll borrow it for a couple hours, run the test, and then return it. Um, they would have to like buy the products or beg Intel, AMD, or Nvidia to give them a sample. Um, so we have a lot of advantage there. Uh, you know, because we have. How many tests do we have now? It's like a dozen or so test platforms that we have run up and running wow. all the time that we just push things to. That's the only way we could do all this testing in time for these product right. launches. It's we just do it in highly parallel. And I think a lot of those guys, they just do like one thing at a time and they just swap the CPU, run the next one, swap the CPU, run the next one. Right. And it's, it's tough. Wow. Huh. Uh, so we do have a question from from YouTube, um, and I was curious about this myself. Uh, no need for a name asks would um, what makes it hard to to benchmark Avid. And I was curious about that myself. Why, like, what what about Avid makes it more tough than Premiere? Oh, um, it's the uh, like the framework or the API that's available. Um, so. In the past, how we started out doing our benchmarking is we used a, a, a programming or scripting language called AutoIt. Um, we still use it heavily today, uh, but basically it's an automation. So like you can look at the, the title of a window, you can tell like what buttons are and you can click on the buttons, you can read text from a window. And that was great. And that still works fairly well um, on a lot of things. But what's been more and more difficult um, is that a lot of these applications are actually moving to uh, Chromium. Uh, so it's basically your application is Chrome, 
just running in a little window and you know and like that's it it's not going through like the windows layers of things. it's just chrome um oh, so in fact like slack yeah slack is chromium um i think most of the adobe stuff is chromium so like photoshop that's just a chrome window <laughs> it's a browser and Ooh. it's just packaged with the application um and so but the thing that makes that hard is chromium has a whole bunch of security stuff about not making it so you can read or automate or click things like it's a, it's an anti-malware or anti-ransomware or whatever so that means automation is pretty much out the window um doing it from like an external so uh we have to rely heavily on internal tools and like adobe they have a really great api for like plugins so how we do things is that we actually make a plugin our benchmark is a plugin and it can control things in premiere pro like what sequence to open um, to play, what the FPS was for the playback, export and export times, and all that kind of stuff. We can do all internal, and we only have to do a few little things. Um, I think like in Premiere, we have to call an auto it automation to like right click on the, the the preview window and change it to like multicam or composite or change the playback resolution. Uh, but those things, luckily, we can just do like a right click go down eight times, go over once, go down. (laughs) But it it works because those things never change. Um, But we do actually, even that one, we have um, requests into Adobe to add those, that functionality to their API. And Adobe is actually really great. They've helped a lot with a lot of our our benchmarks, Um, but it's tough for them because like they have small, I think a lot of their teams are smaller than people realize. And they, you know, they're rushing or, trying to get all bugs fixed and these new features in because they always have to add new features and all of this and all that. And like taking a request from us to like, like add this little thing to their API hooks because <laughs> it'll benefit us <laughs> is really hard. Yeah, it's really hard for them to justify it. And I totally get it. Huh. So we just keep poking them every once in a while. We try to get, you know, other people to kind of poke me like, hey, yeah, you should do that. Um, but um, going back to the original question about Avid is, I don't think Avid has nearly as much um, in the way of being able to automate things. I know there is like a plugin API, but when I looked at it, it wasn't very robust. Um, It's one reason why people ask us to test Capture One, which is a Lightroom uh, competitor, kind of. Um, And same thing, like their API is really bad. Um, It can do a few things, but as far as like, you know, importing thing maybe it does importing but like actually like doing things within it just it's just not made for that and you know honestly i'm a little bit surprised at how much you can do with the the adobe apis because like who is doing this besides us like the only other people is like the internal devs at adobe you know when they're doing like testing and so they just built it into their api to make their lives easier and we're able to just piggyback on that so we're almost we're kind of a little lucky that adobe we can do that so wow. that's what makes things really hard. It's security pretty much. Everything, everything's going towards Chromium and Chromium's extra secure, which makes automation really hard. But <laughs> it's better for the end users, but it's really hard for us. Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool though that we have, that we've built that kind of relationship where, where we mm-hmm. might, where we can kind of maybe get around that sort of a thing. Um, you know, that yeah. they maybe, maybe they trust us enough to work close in hand where to get around it. Yeah, well, and, and actually, that's um, another reason why we're putting our benchmarks out to the public and trying to push them t- onto reviewers. Because uh, we do have a paid version uh, that has like command line stuff. It, it allows people to not upload results to our public database, so we don't have you know leaks constantly. Which we have other things to prevent leaks too, because people are really bad about not you know uploading results. Uh, but uh, th- things like that that they should need. Um, but we give press a, a free license. And then the, the paid ones are mostly for people who'd be making money off of it. So think like our competitors. <laughs> so sure. if Dell or HP <laughs> wanted to use our benchmarks, that's directly removing like one of our advantages. So yeah. we need to be able to compensate that through a license sale. And that's why it's one of the reasons why they're pretty expensive, the benchmark licenses, right. is because really like no one using it for like the home use needs the commercial version. And um, the people that do are basically our competitors because, so we need to charge them out, you know, a lot. (laughs) 
And if they're press, we'll give them a press license. So like, yeah. they don't need to pay. That's pretty cool. But, oh. uh, sorry, I lost my thought. Oh, no. So but one of the reasons why that's really nice and we're pushing that is because then there is more of a benefit to say Adobe adding those API hooks to make the benchmark more reliable. Because if a whole bunch of reviewers are testing it, that's getting more eyeballs on the name Photoshop or whatever, sure, which sure. then means a, a bigger advantage to Adobe if like all of these hardware reviewers are using Photoshop as a staple in their their reviews, um, and you know even to the point where one of our goals is to like like the the AMD they launched uh, or they announced the the Ryzen five thousand series the other week, right. and like we want to be up on stage as one of those things. Um, and like, because like they, they actually did this time, uh, AMD, they had gaming and then they had like productivity and one of them was Premiere Pro. I don't know if it was Arbitrum or not, but, um, like, but we want more of that. Cool. That was the only like, Adobe thing or like content creation thing out there was Premiere Pro and like, but we want to see Premiere Pro and Photoshop and Lightroom and DaVinci Resolve. And we want to see all of those because those are becoming more important, uh, to yeah. everybody because everyone's a content creator these days. Right. Well, and I also feel like this is helpful for, um, cause I think even now most productivity benchmarking is like Cinebench and, yeah, which is not and, and yeah, it doesn't, I, I think it start. I'm, I've seen it more at least where, um, that isn't really being accepted as a proper, uh, like productivity or, uh, workstation sort of benchmark like this is not mm -hmm. this isn't really testing how I what's what my work performance is going to be and so yeah. we're, if we we're, we're offering a kind of a fill in for that gap which is pretty yeah cool. well, what makes all that stuff really difficult when you're talking about real world like is the CPU going to be better for me you can't look at anything really except what you're actually going to be running um, like you mentioned Cinebench yeah. like Cinebench is perfect if you're running like Cinema 40 or using like any other CPU-based render. Like it's going to be great. But who does that? Like VFX artists, yeah, do in motion graphics, sure. Do video editors? No. <laughs> does anyone else? No. Uh, right. But you know, at the same time, like we can run Photoshop. But just is Photoshop going to apply to a video editor? No. Right. It, it's in the Adobe. Yeah, uh, if we ran Premiere Pro, will that apply to DaVinci Resolve, which is another video editor? No, it doesn't work at all. It's just as inaccurate as Cinebench. So that's what's really hard is like, you either have to happen to know exactly how your application is gonna use your CPU, GPU, RAM, and storage, how that compares to another program and know that it matches, which is never gonna be the case because nothing ever matches. Right. Or you have to test that one actual application. And that's why we do so many different tests and why we have separate articles for every single one. We have an article for Photoshop and one for Lightroom, one for Premiere, because yep. they are just totally different and you can't like you can't like combine them all into a single like workstation score and say here's how that performs. Like that, that doesn't that doesn't work. Because like a photographer is gonna be totally different than a video editor. It's gonna be totally different than VFX artists can be totally different than everything else. Yeah. So it's it's tough. It is. But then you also, at the same time, you get like, well, I use Photoshop and After Effects and Premiere Pro. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, which, and that'd be, that, those sort of questions I think are really hard because it's like, well, how much time do you spend in each one? Mm -hmm. Which which performance is most important? Yeah, um, which is most annoying. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah, because maybe I do spend a lot of time in Photoshop, but it's After Effects that really chaps my hide, you know, because yeah. of whatever. Um and so maybe you want to lean heavier on the After Effects yeah. side of things. Uh, mm -hmm. so. And that's different for everybody. And that's one of the reasons why, like, we have our recommended systems on our website for Photoshop or Premiere or whatever. Um, yeah. But we don't right now do any kind of mixed things like, oh, here's a good uh, one for Photoshop and After Effects. Um, we we kind of have some thoughts on how we might be able to address that. But, oh, man, it's really hard. The best thing to do is just talk to one of our consultants because they are up to date on all the different testing. They right. know, you know, what other people have asked, they know what to ask. Ooh. And so then they can say like, okay, well, based on what you're saying, it sounds like we should get, get you in this CPU with this GPU and this much storage because this will be right for you. And that's really hard to do. 
Yeah, I wonder though, as we collect more data from, so so all of the benchmarks we have uh, have the option of uploading the results, um, and I think it collects you know hardware specs and and some of those other things. Yeah. Um, I wonder then if you could start sort of sorting like, oh, okay, well here's yep. here's the hardware, you know, here, I don't know this particular configuration. What score did it get in the Photoshop benchmark? What score yeah, did it get in that's... the After Effects? You know. Yeah, right now all of our benchmark stuff is very rudimentary. Like, we we, we put up the um, the like ability to browse through the benchmark results. Right. Mostly because like we want to start collecting that data as soon as right. possible. Because uh, once you have enough data, then yeah, you can do some really cool things. And that was one thought was putting it on like the configure page. It's like a a selectable like show me scores for these benchmarks like the average or something like that mm -hmm. um and so people could select it and like right underneath maybe like the price or something they would say like here's the scores for all the software you care about and it just yeah it trolls through and i mean that's a lot of processing cool. that has to happen on the fly um but there's there's ways around it but yeah, yeah that also though that's i don't know it, it's tough it's really <laughs> tough and you need a lot of lot of results uh, yeah, because like when, if uh, we have like four cpus on a configure page and usually we have like 10 video cards that's mm -hmm. four different combinations of hardware right there not to mention ram storage so it, it gets really tough um and yeah. a lot of times i think you just gotta do that legwork manually or or just know that it doesn't matter so like again yeah. like our consultants they know that like photoshop we don't care about gpu Oh, but yeah. they're using DaVinci Resolve. Okay, so we need a bigger GPU for that. Um, or the times where, yeah, it just doesn't matter. Just one application is going to be way more process intensive than this other one. So, like, who cares? If someone yeah. says they're using Word, like, <laughs> okay, great. We don't care. <laughs> Word. Uh, that'd be fun. Although, uh, I do remember a while back there was um, a customer who had, like, a massive, uh, what, Excel files? Excel. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Like, they were doing weather simulations in Excel. Weather simulations in Excel. Yeah. What? Yeah, we, <laughs> so like, we, had, we, we had a customer a, a month or so back. They asked us to do some special testing in Google Sheets. Uh, wow. They they wanted us, they like shared their Google Sheets with us and they said like, yeah, this takes forever to do this processing. Can you do it on a couple of different CPUs? And we did. And then they bought the one, you know, the system with the CPU that was way faster because of them, like, People do insane things. They do that's really amazing. insane things. Yeah, interesting and that's, stuff, though. Yeah, I mean that's one of the one of the reasons why also that we try to have so many different test platforms. Like our goal is to have a platform for every CPU we sell, because usually CPU is the limiting factor, or at least okay. every CPU we sell a lot of. Because then, like a customer has that kind of a question, and we're doing these more and more for customers. Like, yeah, we can do that quick test on these two different things. We just remote into each system, we run it, and, and great. Because um, actually, here, I'll share a couple of things. Uh, Rate desktop. I grabbed a couple of pictures before uh, yesterday when I was actually at the office because I haven't been at the office much. So like, this is our, our lab where we have kind of like the primary CPUs. Um, so the ones we sell a whole lot of um, so that we can do like GPU swaps. Okay. Uh, and we also have in the server room, it's a mess now because we're just starting to do it. Uh, wow, we're starting okay. to move more and more platforms out to the server room uh, because, like, if we're not going to swap GPUs, we don't need the system to be physically right there. Right. Uh, so we have, how many is that then? 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, if you include the iMac Pro, uh, 12 <laughs> platforms always available ready for us to, to, to use. And we use do that through hardware IP KVMs. So we use these Raritan, they're 4K. Uh, so they do 4K input and input, and but they're over uh, IP. So you, like from home, I just log into our work VPN, and then I can, you know, actually control the systems. So like, here, I got another picture. Um, but since they're oh. hardware-based, like this is me controlling the BIOS at a system at work from home. That's, that's and cool. So like we can do BIOS changes. We can update the BIOS. We can install Windows. We can do anything and all that like security stuff, like UAC stuff in mm -hmm. Windows, doesn't matter because like it's a hardware level uh, KVM essentially. Uh, and we can even do like Mac or Linux, like it's completely OS agnostic. 
which is wow. great for us because then we can do whatever. It's not affecting performance at all. Like there's no like processing going on on the computer to right. like send these like, things. It's not like Team Viewer or something. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, and then we can even do like. Like oftentimes I have this kind of a setup. I'll have four windows um, and they're just four different systems and they're just running. I can keep an eye on them. I can, I can run things. I can do things manually. Um, in fact, I think I even grabbed this screenshot while I was at work. So I was sitting at my desk, which is like five feet away maybe from the actual yeah. platforms, but I don't want to walk that five feet. So I just have all <laughs> these like windows open and I can just control them from right there. Cause ah, it's, it's easier. Sure. Wow. That's pretty cool. Wow! Yeah, man, we uh, that's yeah. Those things are really nice. They're not cheap because we want 4K, but right. like it's one of those things you buy once, and we never have to replace it. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like there's a little bit of input lag because it, it's hardware based, and it, there's it's limited to 30 FPS because I don't think we want to stream 4K 60 FPS all the way back. Uh, but you know, for us, whatever. Like we're not using it as a you know actual system we're working on. We just need to like start up benchmarks, install stuff, and all that. And yeah, thirty FPS is fine. A little bit of input lag, yeah, we've gotten used to it. Still, but, wow, what a the really how did, how, like I'm curious how that even came up uh, as a as an option. Like, what did you even look for for that? I, I don't know. I wouldn't have um, even IPK. We've we've used some IPKVMs in the past. Um, okay. They were really crappy uh but we just have to look because i wanted to work from home more so <laughs> what do i need to do so i can work from home more um it was actually very fortunate because we started getting these units maybe six months before all the coronavirus stuff sure so we were actually pretty well set up to be able to work from home like our whole labs team and so we just got another uh, i think it was like six or so of those units Nice. Plugged them into the other test platforms, and we really, uh, I think, from our labs team, usually like one person is at the office each day, um, and that's okay. to do like hardware swaps. So just in the morning, you know, we just have a, a channel on our Slack of like, you know, what do people need? And like, like, oh, could you swap in this hard drive or this video card into this platform for me? And it's like, sure. And then you know, so just one person there a day, and it, it works really, really nicely. It's it's actually amazing how well they work. Um, I think we've had a few have some issues with like the local HDMI out um, hmm. has must have to be like a bad solder point or something because we're getting some video corruption, but that's just like the local monitor, like over the IPKVM, it looks fine and great. So we're just going, yeah, whatever, it'll work. We don't want to have the downtime of having to RMA it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know there's um, a number of different things we tested for each like set of software. Um, do we have any sort of like external resource that we tend to go to uh, regularly to find out like what is important mm -hmm. to test? Um, <laughs> external? No. Um, usually, how we determine what to test, um, it's two things. One, uh, what do our customers complain about? Um, sure. So we rely on our, our consultants to tell us that like people really care about this, and mm -hmm. you know because they're asking the all these people. I mean, they're asking hundreds and hundreds of people a month. What's frustrating? So yeah, we can take yeah. all that and turn that into okay, we need to address these things. Uh, there's that is a big thing. Uh, the second is we have a fixed budget for each labs person. Um, well, actually in marketing too. I think you have a budget yeah. for education, uh, but it's like our education budget. And that's to cover, um, like normally next week I would be going to Adobe Max um, and oh, I'd be right. going to, not, not to like man the booth because usually we would have a booth there too, not this mm -hmm. year because it's virtual, uh, but normally we'd have a booth, but like I would help out in it maybe some because I really sure. enjoy that. But my main goal would be to go, to go to other booths, to go to sessions all day. So I would have a full pass you know, to go to whatever sessions and I would just cram as many sessions as possible uh, just to see like, what are people talking about? What's new, uh, what things, you know, come up, what questions get asked during those sessions. Um, so even right now, I think I just finalized my um, session list for Adobe Max and it's just nine to five, just solid. Wow. And even wow. if there's not anything that like I'm super interested in for a time section, like it, it's it's in my budget to go, so I need to get my dollar value out of it. So sure. I put in something, <laughs> anything, because <laughs> who knows what you know kind of things will come up. So like this year, it's a lot of uh, AI and machine learning are always good ones to go because that's kind of a future Ooh, yeah. thing that we got to be aware of. Um, 
oftentimes I'll go to a lot of the like mobile cloud computing kind of things. So, because yeah. um, like on a lot of things that might end up being kind of a, you know, replacement for a lot of these desktop applications we're working with. And we need to be aware of that years and years ahead of time so that we can pivot and not be surprised like, oh, no one's using Premiere Pro anymore. They all moved to mobile thing, which is never going to happen. But right. like if that happened, we'd want to know four years in advance so we can start shifting all of our work from Premiere Pro to, I don't know, whatever else, whatever new game dev. Yeah. Uh, so hmm. that's, that's the other part. What, whatever people complain about and whatever we learn at trade shows. And like most of our labs, guys, like we're very interested in what we are testing and benchmarking. So like right. my own personal like Reddit feed has like the video editing subreddit and the Premiere Pro and the Resolve and all those ones. And like I'm on those subreddits all the time and you see what people complain about because <laughs> that's okay. the most valuable thing to us. What do people complain about? Yeah, because that's what we do. We solve problems, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned, um, I, um, oh man, I lost it now. The uh, like remote or uh, cloud based, um, in particular, editing seems to be coming up. It, it um, yeah. Uh, uh, there's one in particular that I know we've um, Rush. No, well, Rush. That's a little bit more mobile, but. Um, Oh bugger! Oh, it's a cloud. Cloud based. Not Luma. Not Bimbox. Um, oh, uh, Bebox. That's it. B- yeah, Bebop. Bebop. Um, technology. Yeah. So that sort of thing seems to be. Uh, yeah, it's still very new. Box. It's still very. It seems still seems very fairly new. But is that that's one of those things that we kind of keep an eye on? What do you yeah. What do you think about that kind of thing? Like, how is that panning out so far? Yeah, uh, well, because, I mean, you have two different ways you can do cloud computing. One is, like, true cloud computing where, like, you upload your data and, like, the cloud processes it. Like, that, that's used a lot for, like, photogrammetry work. Um, there's some other things, like uh, transcription services. Some of those are sure. cloud-based. So you just, like, upload your video and it sends, gives you back closed captions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the, like, I guess it's computing, but it's really just, like, remote desktop so essentially yeah. the exact same thing we're doing with all of our test platforms, only they're doing it uh, um, through like software levels um, and it's like a, a virtual desktop. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's what like Bebop is doing. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of problems with that. Um, one, in order to be cost effective, you need to be using server hardware and like dividing it up. So you have, mm. you know, a couple 64 core 48 core Xeons in this you know server box and it's got a couple of quadros or tesla cards that can be divided up across 128 users or whatever and then you feed that to 30 people can access that one box and like that's okay for some things that's great for um i don't know i'm just gonna make something up here ikea like they they have all of their like stations throughout the ikea store But yeah. they, I, I don't know if they actually do this, but they could right. go That's all of those to like a single server somewhere and it's just all virtual desktops. So they don't actually have to have anything on the show floor. Like they can use their iPad and yeah. they can get full everything. Um, but the problem with doing that for times where performance matters, so like video editing, yeah. is that you don't have very good performance. Like you might get a couple of cores or even if you do get a lot of CPU cores, they're generally going to be a couple generations old. And they're going to be from a really, really high core count Xeon, which has low frequency usually. Mm. So they're not going to be great for what you're doing. Um, okay. uh, same thing with the video card. Like you're going to be using a Tesla, which already isn't all that great, but you're also only getting like one sixty-fourth of it or one sixteenth of it. And so huh. that's not really going to be all that powerful. Um, right. So performance wise, they're not great. Um, I, I was at, oh, what, what was it? Um, might have been Adobe Max last year, uh, where it was a Amazon cloud services, pretty much sales pitch. Um, And they're going through how great it is. You can use this thing. Like you don't have to pay for upgrades because like, yeah, they, they, they do all the upgrades. You don't have to handle support and all that kind of thing. Um, And then near the very end, they they finally talked about performance a little bit. And uh, I think what they said was something the lines of like, well, are you going to be editing HD footage with this? No, but you can use proxies down to like 480p or 480i or whatever it is, and like it can work. It's like you can't even edit HD. <laughs> You're yeah. having to pay, like it's it's a it's a lot. Um, 
I forget what Amazon is, but Bebop, I think it was something like you buy a thousand dollar workstation every two years and it comes out to be the same cost. So it's wow. like, and that $6,000 workstation is going to be way faster. Yeah. And you don't have to like upload all of your data. Cause like you have, well, yeah, that, you know, that takes 80 gigs too. of data or something. Like, right. So I, I think huh. the big thing with cloud is it depends on where your data is. Um, mm -hmm. If your data is easy to get in the cloud or if it's already in the cloud, cloud yeah. processing is amazing. Um, but if you have to upload it, meh. And if you need like good real-time performance, eh, I don't think it's, yeah. it's, it's not going to be anytime soon. Um, hmm. The things that people complain or think that would be bad for cloud stuff is like latency and like yeah. video quality. That stuff's actually fine. I mean, think about it. Like we play video games and like, you know, yeah, the latency true. is not bad. Like, why can't you do that through virtual desktops? And you totally can. Like the, yeah. the latency is fine. Uh, video quality is, is okay. Some of them have really good compression and like, I don't know if I would use it for like coloring, like if you're a colorist, but like an editor, right. yeah, it could be fine. But hmm. uploading all your data and having to use low res and low quality proxies, right? It's just not great. Huh. Well, it's almost it's almost like some of these guys ought to get these hardware IKVM things and just have like a big machine. Yeah, like but a, that's a, just a couple desktops in an office somewhere. Yeah, it's just that that's not cost effective I, I think because like you get one of those servers yeah you're paying 20 grand for the server but you can divide it up to like 30 users sure. uh, versus a normal desktop you're going to have to pay you know five grand you know even at the lowest end like a two grand and it's one user and you have to like you know you have all of the you know because yeah you have to pay for power supplies for every single user and storage drives and ram and it's just it's not really mm -hmm. economical I, I think yeah. to do that kind of a thing um okay so i wonder uh would you care to speculate we have a question from youtube uh about mm -hmm. the ra the ryzen 5000 processors and <laughs> since i i know i personally uh when when i usually encounter this sort of topic on unreleased untested product i tend not to i personally don't like to speculate i well, ride don't worry, the patient i ride I the patient's ferry <laughs> <laughs> rather than uh like i don't get i don't buy tickets on the hype train so yeah. but we do have a question um pedro rojas asks uh so far you think uh what has been said about the new 5000 processors uh believe that they could be good to work with in the adobe suite that's assuming what's known so far um so pretty much what, what do we know publicly um IPC is supposed to be a lot better. So single thread performance is supposed to be a lot better. Core count has not gone up over last gen. Um, there's a bunch of like random stuff they've talked about, like chiplet designs or something that like, who knows if it'll be better or worse. Um, I think the main thing is the single core performance that they say is supposed to be a lot faster. Mm -hmm. um, and if that's true, they should be great. Um, but like, I, who knows if that's true or not? Wait till November right. 5th because yeah. That, that's when they're actually launching. That's when like reviews and stuff will be up. And because yeah, I, I always say never believe like product announcement benchmarks that like, I don't care if it's Adobe, Intel, Nvidia, <laughs> or in, anything, anyone yeah. out there, never believe any of them. They could be accurate, but more than likely they're very cherry picked. Yeah. Well, um, as an example, Nvidia saying, oh yeah, you could totally do 8K gaming. If you play Minecraft, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there was um, there was one product launch. I think I've talked about this in the past. Um, there was one product launch they did. Uh, I'm not going to say who or what it was, but the, it was um, they included in their like tech brief or like like a launch summary a, a benchmark performance result, and it like we looked at it. It's like that doesn't make any sense. Uh, I think it was a GPU launch. And it was the CPU based test. It's like oh. it would be like showing the bench multi core performance as a GPU like validation for hey, you should buy your GPU because because the system is the same as this more expensive GPU in Cinebench. Oops. Okay, great. That means nothing. <laughs> uh, so some of those like it makes you wonder like, are actual engineers who understand the technology picking these results, or is it marketing who is just going like that one's big, let's use it. Yeah. Or, that one, so like it's 
It's tough. Um, I, I always wait. Never pre-buy. It, it's just like you never buy a game pre-launch. You always wait for the launch. <laughs> Houston. Hey, hey, I'm, I got Baldur's <laughs> Gate 3, early access, you know? <laughs> but hardware, hardware yeah, so though, I, I would, yeah. I don't, I don't trust hardware before launch, ever. Yeah, and hard, hardware is really tough, though, because, like, a game, like, it's, it's all digital now, like, whatever, you buy it on launch day, mm-hmm. you have it. Uh, whereas, like, physical products, it, it can be hard, because it seems like more and more, uh, because there's becoming more competitive, uh, competition between Intel and AMD and AMD and NVIDIA, um, and hopefully soon Intel, AMD, and NVIDIA. Uh, they're pushing the boundaries a lot more. Like it, it seems like supply isn't as good or demand is a lot higher or whatever it is, whichever reason you want to believe that why there's not good supply or availability at launch. Like that is a reason to pre-order. Um, and like we do that, like we buy as much as we can of a new product before it launches for you know use in our workstations. But it's a little bit different because like we know we're going to be moving to it it's not for upgrading our home computers or something it's for new workstations so like there's no reason anyone's going to buy our rtx 2080 when the 3080 is out um, right if it's the same price so like for us it makes sense for end users ah on, and honestly <laughs> the first like month after a product launch is a mess anyway like oh, there's there's yeah. so many bugs driver so many issues, issues. weird just wait stuff yeah yeah. yeah, unless like upgrading is going to make you money, which for a lot of our customers, it does. Like, right. We have some people who say like, as soon as you get 10% more performance, tell me and I'll buy a $10,000 workstation because to them, like 10% means that they'll make back that $10,000 in like a week. Right. And great for them. Sure. Uh, if you're not in that category, just wait. It's going to be so much simpler and easier and less you know, frustrating. Yeah. And then you can actually see if it's worth it. Right. So, uh, Timo TT on YouTube is wondering, how long should I run Memtest? Oh, man. I haven't been in production for years. You were in production <laughs> more recently than me, isn't Was, Wasn't it like you, you try to get two passes at least? Uh, actually, uh, the last last I was doing it, it was uh, 20 is the default. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess when I was in production, uh, it was CPUs were a lot slower, so it took a lot longer to run that test. Yeah, usually, um, usually that can be done. We we tend to do it overnight. I'm sure it only takes four hours or so. It's not. It's probably not that long. Um, I've never really paid attention to the timer. Uh, I just know that um, we have a. I don't know if it's a little script or, or or if it's just a setting that you can set in Memtest. But uh, I think right out of the box, Memtest will default to four passes um uh, but we run 20. seems like a good amount and that seems like a lot actually i'd be really curious to see like how often something doesn't show up in the first pass oh yeah honest to goodness if if you have if you're going to have memory problems you're probably going to have memory problems almost immediately like the the odds are very slim that uh and even then even if it is like suspect, like say you're getting some weird intermittent issue, um, and you and it goes away with removing one of your RAM sticks, and it, and Memtest says it's good, it's probably something else. Yeah. <laughs> um, just because just for it, reference, um, I looked up off our failure rates. So we only use like not overclocked RAM, right. like the most stable RAM you're going to find, and we our failure rate over the last year is. Point four percent. Point four. Um, oh, wow. Point four. That's, now, that's I mean, like, if I you thought. have four sticks in your system, well, adding up percentages is really difficult. Yeah, um, I know it's not like just like you can't just like straight and add them up, but whatever. If you have four sticks, that's probably about a one in fifty chance that you have a, a stick that could fail. Like that's actually that's actually fairly high. If you think about it. That yeah, way. I'm I'm surprised that you say it was point four. Like I would have thought closer to like two hundredths of a percent or something like yeah well and most of that we catch in the shop um failure rates in the field is only 0.07 yeah that's closer to what i thought it would have been yeah that's like one out of thousands (laughs) yeah yeah ram's really really good these days um yeah yeah um so you can always get bad batches you can always get things happen but Yeah. yeah ram is RAM's pretty, it's getting there. Um, I think that that actually might be close to, no, CPUs are are lower. 
what are CPUs? Man, now you've gotten me looking into like numbers and I love numbers. But yeah, oh, CPUs. Yeah. I love our failure over, is fun. Over the last year, CPUs have a failure rate of 0.8%. <laughs> so so your CPU is more is twice as likely to have a problem, um, DOA problem, as a single stick of RAM. Now again, you have multiple sticks of RAM, <laughs> but but still, like that that's pretty amazing. Like it used, to, I remember back in the day, it was like RAM was like four percent failure rate um, way back when. Sure. Like it was a lot. Yeah. But yeah. the manufacturing's gotten so much better. The, the like soft error correcting has gotten so much better uh, that like. Yeah, it's just so much lower. Failure rates on so many things. Man, production is spoiled. They don't oh, know how spoiled sure. they are. Oh man. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but well, but now we have to deal with like motherboard issues that like it doesn't just straight fail, but like it acts weird. Or yeah. uh, video cards that have coil line and, yeah. and things like that. There's just different things you have to deal with now. It seems it seems some more of those um, sort of subjective issues. Like, hmm. oh, my power supply makes a funny noise, but only when I'm, you know, watching Netflix at 4K or something. You know? Yeah. Well, um, I think we were having something with the RTX 3090s where we're having a few where they have some weird noise. Not like coil line if you are using the T cores. So for ray tracing and like, huh. So like we don't know like maybe it's just coincidental a couple of GPUs were were having this <laughs> similar issue maybe there's actually an issue I don't know but like th- things are yeah that's there's just it's just different things we've got to deal with now and it, and it feels like the things we have to deal with now are way more intermittent like yes. a bad stick of RAM it's easy but right. now like things are so complex there's so many I mean video cards aren't just video cards now there's tensor cores and RT cores and all yeah. this other crap right because like maybe you have some yeah like it only happens when you're doing something machine learning and it, yeah yeah exactly yeah and and so it's it's really hard because like i mean we run firmark to do like a full load like maximum power draw tests right but like that doesn't test the tensor cores it doesn't test rt cores it doesn't test all this other stuff so it's right. tough so uh no need for a name asks what do you make of ecc ram in video production slower less faults or not worth it not worth it. It, it, it is slower. Uh, the RAM itself, I think it's, oh, I don't know. It's been a while since we tested, but I think the last time we tested it, it was like 2% slower at the same time means in frequency. It's like, it's not massive, uh, but it is a little bit slower. Uh, but the biggest thing is you usually, well, no, you don't have that anymore. It used to, you'd have to get like a Xeon uh, in order to get ECC. Right. And you, you still do on the Intel side, but I think Ryzen and Threadripper, don't they support ECC now? I believe I believe so, yeah. I think yeah. Uh, now, it's I, Ryzen 2, I think. Yeah, I would be very hesitant about whether or not it's actually working <laughs> because the problem is that ECC has to have uh, proper motherboard support. And man, even back when ECC was like a much bigger deal because RAM had higher failure rates, it was really hard to tell if ECC was working or not. Like there were sure. some tools that would report it, but like not reliably sometimes it would have false positives sometimes false negatives you'd have to use like five different tools and just whichever <laughs> one most of it says you just kind of hope because there's no way to really do it unless you're bombarding it with like radiation or something trying to cause cause failures um <laughs> so uh, yeah pretty much we don't think it's worth it um uh, the only times where I, I feel it is um is um, servers because like maximum uptime is like number one like who cares about two percent you're already using xeons and stuff that supports it and it's not that much more expensive than normal ram so yeah use it um or if that's the only way you can get the ram capacity so in that case it wouldn't be ecc oh. but you'd be using registered ecc so you need okay. you know two terabytes of ram yeah you're going to get ecc and you know with that much ram yeah you probably should have it anyway um and uh if it's like life life critical <laughs> So if you're doing simulations of like bridges or football stadiums, yeah, use ECC. <laughs> yeah, if you're editing a video that's going on YouTube, nah, it, it whatever. Um, okay. Because I, I don't know how often like blue screens are caused by memory these days. Um, most of the time, when I see like blue screens or hear about them, it's because it could be RAM. But it, if it's RAM, it's usually because they're running outside of CPU spec. Um, mm. Like they're using 3600 RAM on an Intel CPU that only technically supports 2666. And like, right. yeah, that can be stable. It can be stable in MIM tests, it can be stable in stress tests, but that doesn't mean it's always gonna be stable. Um, right. 
And I think even soon we're going to be pushing a little bit. We're going to be starting to use 3200 on all Ryzen CPUs. Um, and that's, that's pushing it because technically it supports 3200 RAM, but only if you're using two sticks in their like uh, single rank or dual rank, one, one or the other, where it's like, it's really wow. hard to figure out. And then like, it goes down all the way down to like 2300 or 2133 or something. If you're using all of the sticks and actually large capacity RAM, like no one run it at 2133. Um, <laughs> but so we're doing a whole bunch of testing to find out if like 3200 is stable enough for us. And it looks like it is, but like, Man, using like really high frequency, really tight timings. Again, it can pass all your stress tests. But yeah, usually one of the first things I say if someone's like is, has a DIY build and they are having some intermittent <laughs> issues, it's like set all of your system, your your RAM stuff to like JEDEC timings, like twenty six sixty six CL nineteen, I think it is, yeah. and just like see if it gets better. And if it's way more stable, you found your problem. Oh. If it's not, yeah. something else. Um, you can always turn your settings back up, but you know, honestly, even for like for any, everything we did, like we've done some RAM speed testing. It's like, yeah, okay, going from twenty six sixty six to thirty six hundred will net you three percent. Yeah, I don't know. That's like margin of error. Well, yeah, what's the, exactly. And what's three percent? Like, yeah, yeah, it's silly. And there are it makes a bigger difference, um, and especially like I know in gaming sometimes it does. And there's a few productivity apps, but for most of the stuff we deal with, eh, it's just not worth it. Um, right. But, the original question of ECC also usually not worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we do have uh, maybe a suggestion here for you. Uh, mm -hmm. Madi Abbas asks, he says, hey, I edit 4K raw video on an R7 2700X with a 1070 Ti, 32 gigs of RAM, one one terabyte SSD. What do you think I should upgrade? I'm getting dropped frames and crashing in Adobe Premiere. And I have a BMPCC 4K, by the way. Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera. <laughs> oh, thank um, you. I didn't know. <laughs> uh, very popular cameras. They're really cool. Um, well, the crashing, <laughs> I'd be really curious what RAM speed you're running at, actually, after all this conversation. Um, the crashing, man, crashing shouldn't happen. I don't think that's a hardware upgrade thing. That's a, you've got some problem or like drivers, um, Seems like Premiere has gotten a lot more um, finicky with GPU drivers. So definitely try oh. making sure all your drivers and windows are, are all up to date. Oh, you're also getting blue screens. I see in chat now too. Yeah, you got you got some system problems. You got to sort out. Um, probably worth windows. running like mid test and stuff. Um, but as far as like peer performance upgrades, um, probably the CPU. Uh, Premiere Pro, unless you're using a lot of GPU accelerated stuff, um, which well, I mean, there is. I, I'd also be curious what uh, codecs you use, because I think the Blackmagic cameras can do, well, Blackmagic RAW, I think they do ProRes and H.264. Um, if you're using Blackmagic RAW, don't in Premiere, because it's like a plug-in <laughs> and it's not like great support. Um, if you're using ProRes, it should be fine. Definitely CPU then. Uh, if you're using H.264, you might want to try the beta of Premiere Pro. Uh, they added GPU decoding for H.264 and, H and HEVC, which makes a massive difference. Um, and if that alone, it kind of makes your CPU almost moot for um, like with those kind of footage. So you could try try the beta, try making sure GPU decoding is on, and just see if that just fixes all your performance issues because the difference is it's, it's, it's huge. Amazing how much better it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope that helps. Um, but that does take us a little bit to our, our hour. Oh we have goodness. a couple. We have a minute or so before we hit the <laughs> uh, an actual hour. Uh, he says lol RAM is at three thousand. I had it at thirty two. Yeah, you could try going all the way down to twenty sixty six, or hey, just go way down. Just go to like twenty one thirty three, <laughs> like steel twenty one. Like it's not going to make that much difference for performance, but it'll tell you whether the RAM is the problem or not. But I suspect, it, I mean, it, you could also have things like it could be a bad motherboard with like that much crashing power supply. That, that stuff's get really tough. Um, and honestly, I, I, I haven't done troubleshooting like that in so long because anytime <laughs> I have an issue, I just bring my computer to work and I just like throw hardware at it until it stops, stops behaving badly. But I know you can't really do that. Spoiled. Uh, as an end user. <laughs> oh, Blackmagic Raw. Okay. So he also said Blackmagic Raw. Um, that plugin for Premiere Pro, I've heard really bad things about. Um, so it's not natively supported in, in Premiere Pro. I would mm. try um, 
transcoding or, or using proxies. If you use proxy workflow, um, that might be enough. And then you can still use the Blackmagic raw for like exporting your final product. I know that kind of sucks for, you know, time, but yeah, I wouldn't use Blackmagic raw on Premiere Pro yet. Sorry. Right on. Awesome. Well, thanks, Matt. That was, I'm, I feel like that was very helpful for. Uh, that was a very day. fast hour. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it does seem to go pretty quick sometimes. Um, yeah, well, so that does bring us to the end of our hour. Uh, so we're going to say goodbye. Uh, thanks, Matt, for taking a, a, you know time out of your day and joining us and give us a little peek behind into you know some of the kind of the mindset and process of what you do in labs and labs in general as well. Um, yeah, so that that was actually really cool. I'm because um, <laughs> hey, every time I do one of these, I get a little better, more information and peek behind into the just how things get done it's really interesting stuff so i thank you very much yeah we didn't even talk about like how we automate everything either oh yeah maybe <laughs> next time there's so much more yeah <laughs> um but and i'd also like to thank the audience as well for joining us um we do this every wednesday and friday uh at 1 p.m pacific wednesdays we bring in industry experts um sometimes like matt other times it's usually <laughs> external external industry experts um vfx audio sound design um photographers um those all those sorts of basically our customers bring them on and they give us a little bit of insight into their workflow and process and how and why they do the things that they do and um and then fridays we have labs uh, a member of our labs team this week will be don uh, which i'm super excited for it's always a blast talking with don um and they uh that's more of a hardware software crossover kind of talk do it where we kind of take questions and try and help out the audience with um those sort of questions like what do i need to make my photos work better or whatever that kind of a thing so um thank you guys mark your calendars wednesdays fridays 1 p.m pacific uh every week so we'll see you all next time bye see you guys